Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hey there, Marketeers. On today's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast, I've decided to recast episode 11 with Mercedes Thompson asking the right questions to get the best content. It's an episode that I find myself going back to frequently, and it is also our top listened to episode. So if you haven't heard it yet, I hope you enjoy. If you have heard it, maybe you'll catch something new this time around. Enjoy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes, for joining us. For those of our listeners who don't know who you are, could you give a quick introduction of yourself? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk all things AEC. What you need to know about me. So like you said, I'm Mercedes Thompson. I am a proposal specialist at Michael Baker International. I also am a very active consultant for Elevate Marketing Advisors, where I get to coach and provide webinars and just be around the best of the best in the AEC world. So I'm really blessed to do that. I guess I describe myself as the marketer for sure, but also a storyteller, a writer, a speaker, a blogger, most importantly, an educator. I got my bachelor's from Ohio State, so if I have any Buckeye fans, OH, I got my English degree from Indiana University, and I never in a million dreams thought I would be here, right? I never thought I would be in AEC, so I'm just really excited to be here and really excited to talk with you about writing proposals and what makes great content. If you want to know more about me, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on my blog at simplywritingblog.com. Fun facts about me or what you need to know about me. The love of my life is a nine-year-old pit bull named Princess Leia, and I rescued her from St. Louis, a a shelter there on the east side of St. Louis, She's my baby, and ever since she came into my life, I'm a huge pit bull advocate. So if you didn't know, now you know. And that's all things interesting about me, right? Summed it right up, nothing else. You sort of gave a a brief intro as to your background, but I'm curious how you got started in the AEC industry and what's your story? What is my story? Um, Didn't you know I just sat down when I was like 12 and I was like, I wanna be a proposal writer for a civil engineering firm. No, um, none of us do that, right? It's so much fun being in AEC and talking to other marketers and other storytellers and other business developers because very few of us knew this was the industry that we'd end up in. So how I ended up here, after I got my master's, I decided to go out west. I didn't know what that looked like, but I was just like, I want something new. I want something exciting. I want to be in new places and meet new people. So I was in Reno, Nevada, outside of Tahoe. I was teaching writing at the University of Nevada, Reno. And because teaching doesn't always pay all the bills, it's not always the most financially rewarding, I was also walking dogs and waiting tables on the side. One of the dog owners 
you know, he met me for coffee and was like thanking me for taking care of his dog. And he's like, so what do you do? I'm like, yeah, I'm a writer. I'm an educator. I get really excited to talk about writing and talk about how asking questions leads to the best writing. And he's like, oh, really? I need a writer. And I'm like, you need a writer? What do you do? Like, you don't, you don't look like you need a writer. And he's like, yeah, I own a construction firm. And I'm like, okay, so again, why do you need a writer? And that's how I got recruited into this industry. So I always tell people, like, I am here because I walked the dog of someone who owned a construction firm, which is like the craziest, weirdest, oddest way to find your industry. So you just never know. Be on the lookout, right? You never know when your life's going to take those kind of turns. So you briefly touched on how you like to ask questions to get great content. And that is the reason why I wanted to bring you on this episode is to talk about content writing. And I think so often there's a misconception that in order to create great content, you need to be the keeper of the knowledge when in fact, you just need to know how to ask the right questions. So I'm going to turn this to you. What sort of questions do you find yourself asking your technical staff for each of these different parts of a proposal to get the best content out of them? Yeah, so how do I get good content? First, I want you to understand that I really do think better writing makes for better business. And I don't see my first and foremost job to be writing proposals. I actually see it to be listening deeply and providing tools. And so you're absolutely right. We do not need to know the content. I am not a civil engineer, surprise. I work with people all the time who design bridges. I have no idea how to design a bridge. I work for people who do really cool stuff with tunnels and they go underwater or they take railroad bridges above roads. Like I have no idea how to do any of that. And I not only think I don't need to know that, but I think it actually makes me better at my job. Here's why. So when I'm trying to get quality content out of teams, I do a few things. First of all, I provide tools. A lot of times I will bring up Google Earth and I will go to the project while I'm talking to my team and like the kickoff meeting and I will say, okay, show me, talk to me. What is, what's the problem here? And that visual cue is a tool that helps them explain things to me and get that knowledge over to me about the scope, about the client issues, the client hot buttons. I do that all the time. I'm always trying to think of how I can provide tools. I set up outlines, right? I prompt them with questions. I write things the wrong way, hoping they'll correct it. So all of that is about providing tools. Next, I ask a lot of questions, and that's what I mean by it's not only good that I don't know the technical stuff, but it's actually a necessity. It actually makes me better at my job that I don't know the technical side because I can really take a layman's perspective and say, look, I'm not a civil engineer. I have no idea what you're saying, so break it down for me. When I used to work with a construction firm, I do that with my guys all the time. They had all of this knowledge in my head, but if you do it every day, somehow it's not important to you anymore. You skip steps. They don't really know. It's just every day for them. It's so routine. So I say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Help me. How do I get from one step to another? I tell them sometimes like walk me through it step by step. And I make myself look like a fool because I'm like, 
oh, so we just do this, so we just do that. How do you do that? You know, I really dive in and I admit my ignorance and I let that ignorance allow them this kind of freedom to answer questions for me. And honestly, they don't even know I'm using it for the proposal, right? They think of it as I'm trying to get this proposal writer on board with the project. So I'm trying to talk to her and explain to her what she needs to understand. So I really think that's an advantage. After I provide tools, I ask questions from the perspective of someone who does not know the work of a non-technical person. Another way I get quality content is through mini interviews. So I said this before, and you kind of mentioned, but a key to my teaching when I was in higher education and I was teaching writing, I would tell my students the key to great writing is great questions. And I still believe that. And I think that's the link between my career in higher education and my career now in AEC. Because when I'm asking the right questions, I'm getting the right content. And so a lot of times when I'm in this big interview or this big meeting and there's five or 10 people in the room or on the call, some people are silent and I can't, no matter what I ask them, I can't get that information out. So the third thing I do is I do mini interviews. I'll call them and I'll grind them. You say, okay, well, first we'll do this, but how? How will we do that? Walk me through it. If you had to give me five steps to do that, how would you do it? A lot of times when it's something like construction management or even on calls, I hear this from people all the time. Well, there's not anything specific. Like I don't, I don't provide a solution. So we can't really have that conversation. No, we can still have that conversation. I'm going to ask you, give me 10 steps. What do you mean? How do you do that? A lot of times what I find is people talk in what's, they talk about what we're going to do. Well, we're going to find a solution for this problem, right? We're going to design this interstate, but how, how are we going to do that? How many times are we going to meet with the client? What are we going to show them at the first meeting? What can they expect at the second meeting? What's our schedule look like? What are those milestones? How do we get to those milestones? So I really kind of grind them in these interviews and just really grill and grill and grill and ask questions. And again, I'm using my ignorance as an advantage. I'm saying, look, I know this is second nature for you, but I need some help understanding. If you tell me something as simple as, okay, I'm going to do a hazardous assessment. Well, how? What are we looking for? Right? What's the first step to that? Is there a form that we do it in? If you had to tell me the process, what would that flow chart look like? So interviews, right? I had tools, I have questions, and then interviews. The fourth thing I do to, to get quality content is pool other content. I think this is something we don't do often enough. We see proposals all the time. And so we kind of take for granted that what's in our brain is in everyone's brain. I really have not seen better brainstorming sessions than when I pool content from other proposals, whether it's my firms, whether it's a competitor firm, it doesn't matter. Pool that content, show your team what other people are doing and ask them, how can we apply this? How can we do something like this? A lot of times I'll bring up a PowerPoint that's just full of a bunch of different proposal ideas from other proposals, and I'll say, what stands out to you? I'll just scroll through this PowerPoint, right, like a slideshow, and be like, what stands out to you? What can we replicate? What visuals can we use? That gets me a lot of great content. So in all these things, I think what you'll hear is that I listen deeply, and I ask questions over and over and over again. 
I really do rely on the fact that I don't know civil engineering well. When I was in a construction firm, I relied on the fact that I was not a construction supervisor. I think when I'm mentoring or training new staff and I hear, well, they didn't give me any more content. It's like, well, of course they didn't because you didn't ask them for it, right? You didn't dive into it. Our job is really making theirs easier. It's really us stepping up to the plate and asking those questions and pushing it further. And that's what I love about my job. It challenges me as a writer to push to that messaging and push that technical approach to the next level. What other types of lessons do you try and teach newer staff coming into either your company or if it's a mentorship situation, what guidance do you provide them with? So there's a few things. First of all, I do like to tell new hires and people new to the industry that our job is tough. I don't think it's said enough that we have a really demanding job. We're project managers, right? People really take that for granted. I think the old school mentality of us being coordinators or formatters or administrators, that's gone. That's out the window. We are responsible for these documents and our job is tough. So the first thing I tell people is that you are managing this process. You are not just coordinating and and compiling it at the end. Another thing I tell new hires is don't be afraid to look a fool. If I'm pushing towards a deadline and I'm not getting the content I want, I will do my best to answer it and it will be completely wrong. But what I have found is people like to correct you, right? So if you're not getting something from them, fill it in wrong and you're bound to get what you want. The next piece of advice I give is business 101. If you want something from someone, make it easy for them. I spend so much time preparing tools and outlines and compliance checklists, storyboards. I'm really big on planning and brainstorming. And so a lot of what I do is figuring out creative ways to get stuff from people. So I tell my new hires, if you want something from someone, make it easy for them. I really believe that. I'm big on why and how, right? So everyone's saying what we do, but why do we do it is connecting to the messaging, right? Is our values, is standing for something. It's figuring out what our story is so we can connect with clients. We can build business, not just on that scope of work, but on a sense of wanting to do business together. And I'm really, really big on how every one of our competitors is telling the client what we are going to do. And guess what? We are all qualified. If you're competing and you're going against firms that are your size, your capacity, they have your same resources. Sometimes they have more. Everyone's qualified to do the work. So what's going to really differentiate you is how you're going to do that work. I'm really big on pushing that how and figuring out the specific differentiators. What makes us different? Everyone thinks when I say differentiator that I mean it has to be some big, oh, we have this technology no one else is using. That's not what I mean. I mean, find something small that we can offer that the other guys can't. And the last piece of advice I give my new hires is keep a beginner's eye. And what I think I mean by that is 
the first time I ever read an AEC proposal, I was like, wow, this is boring. This is 50 pages and there's so much wording. There's so much content. No one's going to read this, right? And I knew that as a beginner. But you work in the industry five years, you work in the industry nine years, you work in the industry 10 years, and all of a sudden you start forgetting that. And you start producing some of these documents that if you had that beginner's eye, you'd be like, whoa, no one's going to read that. So I tell them, keep that beginner's eye because your clients are spending about three minutes on your document. Three minutes. It doesn't matter if it's a 10-page document or a 100-page document. Your client's spending about three minutes. So keep that beginner's eye and keep asking yourself, what's going to keep your reader here, right? What's your audience looking for? How can you make it easy for them? The pieces that I've noticed in proposals that doesn't get enough attention or doesn't get tailored to a pursuit as often would be project descriptions. We seem to think that if we have it saved, if it's already written, nothing else needs to happen with it. And I've seen it so many times where it's just the same description that's very generic in a proposal and trying to even convince technical staff to update it is pretty difficult. What types of questions do you ask your staff when you're looking at a project description that may be just fine, it's passable, right? But it isn't specifically tailored to the pursuit you're working on questions would you ask your team? Yeah, that's a really great point. A lot of times we think because we have boilerplate or because we have databases that have all this great information in them that they're doing our job for us. And first of all, if you're lucky enough to be at a firm that has a great database, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. But the job of that database is not to write a proposal for you. The job of that database is to make your job faster. Personally, there's not anything in a proposal of mine that I don't touch before it goes out the door. So resumes and project descriptions, you're absolutely right. People think we pull them from the database or we pull them from another proposal and it's fine. It is what it is. So to answer your question specifically, what I do for project descriptions, I bring up a table before I ever show them a project description. I just have a basic table. Project name where I can find it. So for us, it's like a project number, right? A locator where you would find that, who the client was, and then most importantly, why it's relevant. So before I will pull that description and put it in the proposal, I'm asking you why that one made it to the list. And that's what I'm leading with. That's what's going to end up being the first or second sentence of that project description. Not Blank provided services for blank, right? Because the client doesn't actually care. They know you can do the work or else you wouldn't have a chance anyways. They care how specialized that experience is, how right on target it is. And if you make it easy for them and you put that in their first line or something, you know, that first or second line, they're going to like you because you're making their job easier and because they feel like you have more relevant experience. So I really do, before I pull a project description, I'm asking you, why this project is relevant, why it even makes it to the list. I'm taking notes on what you say, and that becomes my first or second sentence of that description. I have a very similar approach to resumes. Before I ever pull a resume, I have a table. It says your name, it says your year's experience, it says your licenses, and it says why you were chosen for the project. This is from my project manager to a random inspector. 
I want to know why this person was chosen. Again, that goes right in my first or second sentence. Not, oh, this person has very general knowledge over these very general years, but really specific. This person was proposed for this job because blank, and they will fill this role and go into a description, a specific description of what role and what their responsibilities will entail. So it's almost like you have to qualify, right? I'm not, I'm not pulling that information until you convince me that that project and that person is super relevant. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. So often we see actually the same bios as well. You nailed it on the head. It's projects and it's resume bios that just, because they're in a database, it's like they just don't get touched. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think we think it's a time saver, but I think also what happens with new hires or people new to the industry is they feel like they can't touch it. It's in the database, so it's right. I don't want to touch something that's from that. I don't want to rewrite it. They don't yet have that feeling of ownership or decision-making. So I would encourage proposal writers, proposal managers to understand that you are responsible for that document and you are responsible for the responsiveness of that document, right? You are responsible for client focus. And so you changing that bio to be more client focused, that's not just a value added, that is your responsibility. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes, for joining me. I loved this conversation and I think our listeners are going to have a lot of action items coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Keelan. I think one thing I want to close on is just that in marketing, a lot of times proposals get this really nasty connotation. It's like nobody wants to talk about them. They're like everyone's least favorite thing. And the idea of having a career in proposals, the preconception is like you're only working that until you can graduate out of that into something better. And I just want to challenge that. You know, I just want to tell you that I do think better writing makes for better business, that it's valuable, that it's meaningful, that I'm a storyteller and that I love connecting with clients and that I love pushing the writing to the next level. And I love coming in left brain, right brain. I love being on the opposite end of the spectrum, kind of talking to engineers and pushing them and saying, but why, why, what's the benefit? What's the benefit? What's, what's the hot button? What are we trying to get at? You know, what's, what's our competition saying here? So I just want to encourage everyone who's doing the work to not listen to the negative hype that proposals are, are this terrible thing because I think they make a difference. They help our businesses do work and they can be very, very rewarding. They agree. All right, marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's recast of episode 11. Like I said, it's an episode that I find myself going back to quite frequently, and it is our top listened to episode for a reason. As a quick heads up, after next week, I will be posting episodes every other Wednesday, so bi-weekly instead of weekly. However, if you have not already subscribed, I would invite you to do so so that you never miss an episode. Chat soon.